Verse 1 again. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Up until now, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' disciples didn't do much of anything except listen. They are called by him. They sign up, right? They sign up to be fishers of men. They, they got their patch, right? They drop what they're doing. They leave their jobs. They begin to follow him. But now, Jesus is going to handpick 12 of them and bestow special authority upon them and send them out, right? So not just to huddle like the sons of God on a Thursday night, but they're now going to go and represent This is a commissioning passage. How much authority does Jesus have? What's the answer to that question? How much authority does Jesus have? All authority. Authority has been the key word ever since the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had what? Authority, chapter 27, verses 28 and 29. The centurion, remember him in chapter 8? He was a man under what? Authority. With soldiers under what? His authority. And he recognized Jesus' authority over sickness. What did he say? Just say the word. But not just sickness. The storm, right? Remember that from chapter 8? What did the disciples say? What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Chapter 8, verse 27. Or the demons. One word he said, go. And they had to go. What else? Jesus has authority over death. Remember we saw that last week? Jesus has authority over death. And he has authority, chapter 9, verse 6, to forgive sins. How much authority does Jesus have? All authority, it appears. And now Jesus is delegating some of that authority to these 12 special agents. That's what I'm going to call today's message. Special agents. Because that's something we know about these days. Unlike apostles. You say the word apostle and it's like, well, what does that mean? What What are apostles? Apostles are authorized representatives. Apostles are people sent on behalf of someone else with some of that person's authority delegated to them to represent that person to others. Kind of like an ambassador, right? Of course, we we don't know that much about what it's like to be an ambassador either. But a lot of our favorite TV shows have special agents in them. So let's use that language this morning. Let's run with that. Jesus is commissioning 12 special agents to go on a mission for his kingdom. At the end of chapter 9, Jesus pointed out the harassed and the helpless crowds. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep, what? Without a shepherd. And so he told his disciples to pray, just what Dan just asked. He he asked them to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And guess what? Chapter 10 opens with the Lord of the harvest answering those prayers. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, I don't know what that was like. 
But it sure sounds exciting, doesn't it? Special meeting where you go to this meeting and after you leave, you are given authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. Jesus has been doing this sort of thing. Now these 12 special agents will be doing it as well. I've got two headings for today's message. Here's number one. These special agents were, number one, called to Jesus. Called to Jesus. Did you see that in verse one? He called his 12 disciples to him. Now, I don't want to make too much of that, as if Matthew was making a big point about it, but I do think it's helpful to point out that before Jesus sends anybody out for himself, he first calls them to himself. Remember, come follow me, and then I'll make you fishers of men. First we come to him, then we are sent by him. Now here, of course, they are, they are just being gathered around. Twelve special agents given special authority. Verse 2, these are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now there's a lot there in those three verses. I thought about just preaching a whole message just on that list this morning. How many apostles were there? Twelve. How come? Well, we don't know. It doesn't say. Many Bible scholars suspect that there's a connection here with the twelve tribes of Israel, right? Twelve sons of Jacob, the twelve patriarchs, therefore twelve tribes of Israel, now a new community is being birthed, a community of the Messiah, and there are 12 leaders of that. I think there's probably something to that. I don't want to take it too far, but there's obviously something about that number 12. Notice that they're bunched into groups. What kind of groups? Well, there are clearly pairs there. Did you notice that? Kind of two by two, Simon and Andrew, James and John, Phil and Bart, etc. There are also three groups of four. Every time these guys are listed in your New Testament, which is four times, it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. John doesn't have a list. Every time the order is, every time they're listed, the order is different. Doesn't give the, the same tw the twelve in the same order. But Peter is always listed first, and Judas is always last, and there are always three groups of four. I think that means there were probably teams within teams, right? You two are paired together, and you are in a group of four. I think that's probably what's going on. Now, what else do you notice about these special agents who were called to Jesus? One of the things I notice is how different they are from one another. Jesus calls different people to himself. He loves diversity. I mean, some of these guys have nothing in common with one another. Now, some do. Some are brothers, right? There's at least two sets of brothers. There might be another one hiding in there. How fun is that, right? To have your brother on your team. Assuming you like your brother, it might be good. Some of these folks did the same job. There are at least four former fishermen. But then you've got this tax collector in there. Or at least a former tax collector, right? We saw that over the last two weeks. What's the ta former tax collector's name? Matthew. He's the writer of this gospel. What kind of men were tax collectors? Traitors, right? We said 
You spit every time you say the name of a tax collector, right? They were sellouts. They were extortionists. They were in bed with the oppressors. They were in league with the Romans. Is there anybody in this group here that's on the other side of the political spectrum in this bunch? Simon the what? Simon the zealot. What's that? What's that mean, that he was a a zealot? That means he hated the Romans. And, And he was, at least before he came to Jesus, a nationalist who probably supported insurrection. He might have been a guerrilla fighter. Might have been one of those ones that was trying to get kick the Romans out of Israel. How do you think these two guys got along? You've got Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot on the same team. How do you think they got along? My guess is they got along just fine. Because they were both called to Jesus. Now they probably had some interesting discussions, right? Maybe some heated conversations about politics. But the important point in both of their lives was that they had been called to Jesus. Let me ask you, is that the most important thing in your life? That you've been called to Jesus? And can you love and work together on the mission that Jesus is sending us, even with people who are very different from you in significant ways? I have never been on a motorcycle in my life. I, I know what they are. I can, reckon, I can pick them out. But I have never in my life been on a motorcycle. Can we work together on a common mission for the Lord? The people in this room, you guys are not the same as one another. There's a lot of diversity in this room. A lot of differences. Politically, economically, racially, vocationally, educationally, physically. And the rest of Jesus' church in America and worldwide is even more diverse. Can we work together on mission? Some of you, for example, some of you here are Make America Great Again, Red Cap Trump supporters. Some of you here are I sure miss President Obama folks. I wish we could have him back. And there are lots of people here that are somewhere in between those two. Can we love each other? Can we fulfill the Great Commission Together, we can. If we think of ourselves as first and foremost called to Jesus. One of these men betrayed that calling. He saw himself primarily called to serve himself 30 pieces of silver. And his name has now forever been linked to treachery. Verse 4, Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. How'd you like that to be your epitaph? Every time your name is mentioned, who betrayed Jesus? You know, it's interesting. Something else I noticed is that none of these guys were rabbis before. None of these guys had been to seminary. None had gone to Trinity. None of these had been previously trained for ministry. There were no Pastor Matts in there. And he called Pastor Matt so he'd have somebody who knew the word already. No. Jesus called men from the workplace, from the marketplace, from the everyday walks of life. He called people from the one percenter motorcycle clubs. Jesus loves to use everybody, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And he trains them as they need it. 
He loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things because he loves to get the credit. Because it's his authority. And because we are called to him. By the way, most of these guys, you know, we don't really know what happened to them after the book of Acts. I mean, Peter and John, sure, but how about Thaddeus? Anybody know whatever happened to Thaddeus? You ever wonder? You read the Bible, there's these lists, he's one of the twelve apostles, and you're like, yeah, Thaddeus, and you remember when he, I don't know anything about him. I've got a really good book called After Acts by Brian Litvin that explores the lives and legends of these apostles, because a lot of what we have is just tradition and may not even be good history. You're welcome to borrow it if you'd like to know what we know and how much we know about them after the Bible was completed. So we could note more in verses 2 through 4, but let's move on. These 12 special agents were called to Jesus, and then they were sent for Jesus. Sent for Jesus. Now, I was going to say sent from Jesus, because that's true too, but I didn't mean that he was sending them away from him, like in a punishment. And there's something here about being sent for Jesus, as if they were sent in his place. See, they are, they are special agents. They are representing him where they go. Let's look at it. Look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Let's just stop there for a second. These are some pretty special agents, aren't they? I mean, look at what they get to do in verse 8 on their short-term missions trip. I, I, I don't think that these are instructions for us today. I don't think the church today has been given that delegated authority like the apostles had at this time. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Who does that sound like? Who does that sort of thing? The Lord Jesus, right? Yeah. Doesn't it just sound like chapters 8 and 9 that we've just got done with? That's what he's been up to. Actually, ever since, in, since chapter 4, verse 23, he's been doing that. But especially the last two chapters, Jesus is telling his special agents to replicate his ministry. And it's the same message there to take, too, isn't it? As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist said that, chapter 3, verse 2. The Lord Jesus said that, chapter 4, verse 17. Now the apostles are to go and say it too. The kingdom of heaven is near. Why? Because the king is near. near. The king has come. And that's good news. The promised kingdom has drawn close. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now of course that means repentance is called for, doesn't it? Jesus doesn't say it in verse 7, but that was the upshot of when John the Baptist said it, and when he said it, and I'm sure it was part of their message too, the king has come, so turn away from any other kingdom. You see how these special agents were supposed to represent the king? To whom were they to go? At this point, just to the Jews, 
to the Jew first. Look at verse 5 again. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't love the Gentiles? Or that he doesn't love the Samaritans? Of course not. He's already been reaching Gentiles and Samaritans by this point in his ministry. But you see that word sheep there in verse 6? I think that ties into the sheep without a shepherd in verse 36 of the previous chapter. Jesus has a heart for those crowds of Jewish men and Jewish women, harassed and helpless. He's their Messiah, after all. And for this trip, he is sending his special agents to tell those people about the kingdom and to prove that it has come through these miracles. Now later, these instructions will change. By the end of the book, by the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the mission will be to go to the whole world and make disciples of every nation, even people in central Pennsylvania. But for now, they're to go specifically to Israel and announce the kingdom. And they're not to charge anything for it. Freely you have received, freely give. The sons of God don't show up at an event on a Saturday and they say, we'll tell you about Jesus if you give us... 20 bucks. Right? You don't do that, right? Okay, I just wanted... I thought so. Right? These special agents didn't pay any fees to receive this kingdom, and they don't charge any fees to give it away to others. In fact, they are called to travel very light. Verse 9. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Again, I think these instructions are just for this particular missions trip. I don't think that missionaries today are not supposed to take money or bags or change of clothes or anything like that. Not allowed to take rain gear, guys. You know, tough. If it rains, you just have to hang out underneath those bridges, right, until, until it goes away. No, I don't think that's what it's saying. Jesus envisions a short trip that won't require a lot of long-term resources. And he expects the pe- that people that they talk to will provide them with hospitality. Not a fee. He says don't charge. But also expect to be taken care of. Just these people who get to hear about the kingdom will want to provide food and room and board for these special agents of the king. Verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. A worthy person is someone who receives this message of the kingdom. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. Shalom. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Now, again, I don't think that this gives us timeless instructions for how to do missions or how to do ministry today. Though maybe we ought to think our way through it a little bit. There may be principles here about frugality and generosity and supporting those who do missions work. And principles here about total dependence upon God and and about looking for those who are receptive to the message of the gospel. But what I notice most of all is that these special agents are sent for Jesus. They represent Him. They take His message about His kingdom to people, and if they are received, then He is received. 
But if they are rejected, then he is the one who is really rejected. Look at verse 14 again. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, where do they get these words? What words are they supposed to say? The kingdom of heaven is near, right? It's the gospel of the kingdom. If they will not listen to your words about the kingdom, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Who brought judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah? The Lord did. And Jesus is saying that if these special agents are rejected, it will be as if they rejected God himself, because that's exactly what they're doing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's really helpful to me. Because when I think about sharing the gospel with others, I often think about being rejected. I don't want to be rejected. I like to be liked. I want people to like me. I want people to like what I have to say, and I want people to receive me. But if someone hates me for following Jesus, it's really Jesus that they hate. It's not about me. It's all about Him, right? So that should make us bold, shouldn't it? I mean, here we are tasked with being His own representatives. See, these guys wear jackets that point themselves out as that, but that's all of us. That's what we should all be doing. We should all see ourselves as special agents for the king. Now, we may not have the authority that the apostles did, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out the demons, but we are all called to share the gospel with the last, the least, and the lost. And if we are received, then so is Jesus. But if the door gets slammed in our face, so what? They are really rejecting Him. Do you need to hear that today? Do you need to see yourself as a special agent of King Jesus? Not a secret agent, right? We're to be known for following Jesus. But we should be representing Him to the rest of the world. Does that make you bold? Notice again, just who does Jesus think he is? If these special agents of Jesus are rejected, what does he expect will happen to those who reject them? It will be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah for those who reject Jesus. That means that Jesus sees himself as equal with Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God who brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And now he is sending out his apostles. Look at how they're supposed to see themselves. Verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. If I were doing a patch for my club, it would have those four animals on it. It would have the wolf, it would have the sheep, it would have the snake, and it would have the dove. Four animals. We're going to start right there next time that I'm preaching. The next section talks about how dangerous it's going to be for the apostles. Sheep with wolves. Safe? Not safe at all. And, and for how dangerous it's going to be for many other agents of Jesus throughout history. That's us, folks. Sheep among wolves. So therefore, they, and by extension we, need to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Wise and strategic and shrewd like a snake. And at the same time, loving and holy and pure like a dove. So take that and chew on it for the next couple of weeks. And commit 
to being like that yourself. As you represent Jesus to the world, called by Jesus by faith to be saved and to be his disciples, and sent for Jesus to represent him to the rest of the world.